1: Our reading this morning comes from the book of James, the second chapter beginning with verse 14. My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, Go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal. What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Someone might claim, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. It's good that you believe that God is one. Ha! Even the demons believe this, and they tremble with fear. Are you so slow? Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? What about Abraham, our father? Wasn't he shown to be righteous through his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? See, his faith was at work along with his actions. In fact, his faith was made complete by his faithful actions. So the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and God regarded him as righteous. What is more, Abraham was called God's friend. So you see that a person is shown to be righteous through faithful actions and not through faith alone. In the same way wasn't Rahab, the prostitute, shown to be righteous when she received the messengers as her guests and then sent them on by another road. As the lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead." This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord, our God. Amen. Early in ministry, every pastor discovers that they're not just a spiritual leader, Very early in ministry, you discover as a pastor, you are an institutional leader with the building to take care of, a budget to manage, fundraising to do, a schedule to maintain, communication that needs to be managed, neighbors to relate to. You realize very quickly that a large part of your job as a pastor is institutional management. Most pastors go to seminary to learn how to teach the Bible and to preach and to teach people to pray and to offer pastoral care. Ironically, the thing you're least prepared to do when you leave seminary is often the thing you do the most. So I've had to be intentional through the years to learn how not just to be a spiritual leader, but to be a leader. And one of the questions I've learned to ask as a leader is this. I, in fact, I would say it's, it's a question that every organization, whatever kind of organization it is, needs to ask. It doesn't matter if you're a liquor store, or a law office, or a doctor's office, or a y- yoga studio, or a convenience store. It doesn't matter. Every co- organization at some point should ask itself the question... What difference would it make if we ceased to exist? What difference would it make if we ceased to exist, if we just weren't here anymore? And a related question that may be just as important, what difference would it make and to whom would the difference be? You see, it's a question of purpose, It's a question of relevance. It's a question of who we exist to serve. It's it's an honest reflection to, to ask, would someone even notice if we weren't here anymore? Who would suffer? Who would not be served? Or maybe the opposite, who might benefit if we're gone? Unless your organization is self-funded, exclusive, by invitation, members only, any organization that has customers, clients, or members has to ask itself, what difference would it make and to whom if we cease to exist? It's an invitation to take a look at your organization from the outside in, not merely from the inside out. And so we have to ask the question, what difference would it make if First Church Orlando vacated the premises, closed our doors, ceased to exist? Now, my hunch is, by virtue of you being here, it would make a great deal of difference to all of us. It would matter a lot to all of us. It would be a terrible loss to all of us if First Church were not here. It would certainly make a big difference in my life. I'm employed here. But I hope you know by now it's more than that for me. And I know it is for all of you. If this church were not here for us, we'd lose important relationships. We'd lose a place where we've been nurtured spiritually. We've been, we'd lose a place that we belong to, something bigger than ourselves, a family, a place we've been invited to discover and use our gifts, a place that some of us have heard our callings, a place to love and be loved, a place to connect with God like we've invited you to do in here this morning, a place that important events have happened in our lives, Uh, Baptisms, confirmations, weddings, funerals, and more. But that's us. If First Church Orlando ceased to exist, who else would be impacted? How would it impact our community? How would it impact our neighbors? How would it impact downtown Orlando and the greater Central Florida community? I mean, maybe there's something that could be done in this place that's more useful. Everybody likes a nice park to come with their families. Maybe downtown Orlando needs another high rise, more expensive housing, more opportunity for business and commerce. Maybe Dr. Phillips would like to expand their facility this way, or the Presbyterians would like to come over. Maybe downtown Orlando could really be better served by a new parking garage or a new luxury hotel. I don't think so. Let me be clear. Let me be absolutely 100% clear with you this morning. I believe unequivocally with all of my heart and soul that First Church Orlando matters. That First Church Orlando matters to our community. That First Church Orlando has a necessary, vital place in downtown Orlando that the loss would be significant. I believe it mattered that First Church Orlando was present, that the reason come out with pride, parade, and event, communicating that there is a church in this community that believes God loves everyone. I believe it matters to the homeless of our community, as we've had a faithful commitment to them over many, many decades. I believe it would matter significantly significantly to organizations that we've helped give birth to, iDignity, the Christian Service Center, the Coalition for the Homeless. I believe the loss of First Church would be hugely detrimental to the families that we serve through our preschool and the teachers we employ. I believe First Church Orlando matters to the denomination that we're part of, United Methodist Church as we're still looked to as a leader and an example. First church matters. Listen to me. Our presence in downtown Orlando matters. It's mattered for more than a century. It matters today, and it will matter in the years to come. But let me be especially clear. The reason first church matters can't just be about us. Our relevance, the relevance of our existence, our purpose in this place, has a very large degree, the importance of how we serve the world right outside our doors. One of the things I've long admired about First Church is our commitment to mission and service to the world. Significant offerings that are collected on Fifth Sundays to help the Methodist children's home. And when there's special needs around the world because of disasters. This church has gone on more mission trips around the world in our country. I went on my first mission trips as part of this church. We built houses with Habitat for Humanity. We've hosted Family Promise. We've provided food to the hungry and support to the homeless. We've worked to care for the environment, to support local agencies. But I need to tell you a concern that's been articulated to me during the pandemic, as we did our our debt retirement campaign, started it not too long ago, and now as we are in our annual stewardship campaign, a question, a, a concern that keeps being brought to me is, is First Church still committed to service as we have been in the past? And what I hear people asking is is a more subtle question. When I give to First Church, when I make a pledge of support, does that money result in positive impact in our community? Is it doing more than just paying the light bill and keeping the AC running? Is my giving, is my pledge somehow connected to the answer to the question, what if, what difference would it make if first church ceased to exist? A connection between the investment and the results. I believe James leads us today in chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. I'll repeat, what good is it if people say they have faith? but do nothing to show it. Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal. What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. That is a hard statement to read. Here to embrace. Faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. It's challenging, isn't it? It's discomforting that my faith actually is measured by the way I live it out, that my faith is only as alive to the degree that it's expressed in faithful activity. James takes it further. Chapter 2, verse 26, as the lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead. And notice, James doesn't leave us in the dark. He doesn't make us imagine, well, what kind of activity should we be involved in? He's pretty clear that we should be clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, providing warmth for those who are cold, You may have noticed that when when James is explaining all this to us, he doesn't say anything about church membership. He doesn't say anything about attending worship or what style or form it may take. He doesn't say anything about Bible study or attending Sunday school or the quality of preaching or the beauty of the singing or serving on a committee, even though all of those things have their place. They all matter. They're all important. James's concern is, don't tell me you have faith unless you can also show me how you're putting that faith into faithful action and caring for the needs of others. That you only have faith to the degree that you demonstrate it through action. Just prior to the passage I read earlier, James 1.27 says, true devotion, or some versions say true worship, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows. True worship is caring for widows and orphans. And in James' day, in biblical times, widows, orphans were considered to be the most vulnerable, those in greatest need in biblical times. Barbara Brown Taylor just sums it up very nicely for us. She says, I'm far more interested in how people live than what they believe. Or maybe she would say what they claim to believe. The last month, my monthly pastor's book club read a book by Richard Rohr called Eager to Love about the life of St. Francis. You've been hearing a lot about St. Francis from me lately. This is why. Why? Father Rohr says that St. Francis was known for what he calls a performative theology. Performative theology. It's the first time I've ever heard that expression, a performative theology. His point is that Francis never sat down to, to develop a theology or a Franciscan doctrine or rule of life. Rather, he just read the Gospels and did what Jesus said we're supposed to do. He performed his faith and actions. When Francis read the Gospels, he heard Jesus speak, and he did as literally as he could what he thought Jesus was instructing him to do. When Jesus said, love his enemies, he pondered, who are my enemies? Which led him to serving lepers, the people he was most afraid of, most loathed. When Jesus said, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear, he gave it all away. When Jesus said that we're to be humble, he worked at living as humbly as possible. St. Francis is known for the quote, though he may not have said it, preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. Preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. Whether he said it or not, I suspect he would agree with it. And of course, Francis and his movement reminded me of our own. Methodism began as a group of seminary students in England many years ago who gathered early every morning for Bible study, prayer, and fasting and then went into the community to serve those who were in need. The sick, the imprisoned, the poor, the hungry... Others began to observe the way they practiced their spirituality and their service as being something that was so organized, so regimented, they started calling that group of people Methodists because they're so methodical in their way of serving and seeking God. Sure sounds a lot like a a church vision statement that I've heard. Seek and love God. Love and serve people faith and works. Having faith, believing in God, putting it into performative, tangible action. If I could, I'd like to just take a moment to say a few just very personal words. I want you to know that as your lead pastor, service to the community, our church serving the community is one of my very top priorities. In fact, I don't know why a church or ministry exists except to serve the needs of the world. One of our goals, Pastor Emily and mine, before the pandemic, earlier in our arrival, was to work toward increasing our activity here at church and our service to the world. There have been a number of activities this church has been involved in that had begun to wane a bit. Our hope was that we could encourage return to those activities and maybe consider some new ones to reactivate service as a priority of our church. But to be honest, that got delayed by COVID. As soon as we began the pandemic, we began to be just unsure. What's safe to do? When is it safe to gather? What's safe to serve, to to do as a group? What's safe for those that we would want to help? And, And many of those things that we had hoped to do by now have been delayed, but not permanently. I want you to hear from me this morning that my commitment as your pastor, our commitment as a church to serve the world and the community is still solid and strong and regaining strength and momentum even as I speak Let me just give you a few examples. In the last year, we've opened our doors to the Homeless Services Network, an important agency in our community for caring for the homeless. And we're looking for ways to not just be their landlord, but to partner more deeply and more strategically with them. In the last several months, we welcomed Chef Crystal to come and be our preferred caterer at the church in exchange for her use of the kitchen on Sundays to cook gourmet soup that she gives away for free to the homeless. That happens here every Sunday. Just a couple of weeks ago, on the same Saturday, a group of our men's ministry trained to be emergency first responders in the case of the next natural disaster, at the same time that many of us were serving down at the uh, the Come Out With Pride event and marching in the parade. Just this week, we took a huge pile of work clothes to the Christian Service Center that you donated for people trying to re-enter the workforce. Thanks to a generous government grant that we received through the CARE Act, we were able to have a surplus of funds to hire Cameron Garrett to be our new director of new ministries. And many of those new ministries will be ministries of service to the world. This Thursday, a group of us are going to Faith UMC in Union Park to look at how they're serving their community by providing groceries and looking at ways we might partner with them. This Saturday, we're having a great day of service, and we'll be packing 10,000 meals for the hungry. We could use some more volunteers. I hope you'll come be part of that. And we're already planning for the holidays. One of my heroes is a man by the name of Ignatius of Loyola. He was the founder of the Jesuit movement. He once prayed, dearest Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and not count the cost. We are coming now close to the conclusion, we hope, of our stewardship campaign. We are asking every family that's part of our church to prayerfully consider pledging. And as I said earlier, I have heard there is a very strong desire to know that when when we give to the church, that that money is being used faithfully in ways that make a difference. Well, friends, I would be lying to you today if I didn't readily admit that most of what you give to First Church goes to pay for really boring stuff. Having buildings like this and staff to support them costs a lot of money. We spend a lot of money on electric bills. We spend a lot of money on cleaning crews and cleaning supplies. We spend a lot of money on insurance. It costs a lot of money just to keep the doors open. And the money that doesn't go to that, the money we use for programming, if we're entirely honest, a lot of that benefits who? Us. Beautiful place for us to worship. Programs for us to participate in. In many ways, the money we give to the church is for us. But I want you to hear my commitment. Commitment. I want you to hear, first of all, that our commitment as a church to serve it has not wavered. I want you to hear my commitment that every dollar you give to this church will be used as faithfully as we can. And that my commitment in the years to come is that increasingly we will know with confidence that every dollar we give to support this church is making a tangible difference in the world. My hope, my prayer, my commitment to you is that the connection between what you give and the difference it makes becomes increasingly clear and obvious to all of us. And more importantly, to the world around us. Friends, the question we have to ask from time to time is what difference would it make if First Church ceased to exist? I believe it would make a terrible difference Orlando needs First Church just as we need First Church. We must be a church that continues to lead as we serve. Let us pray. So Lord, make us, (laughs) form us, shape us to be leaders who serve, to be a church that serves, to be disciples who put our belief, our faith, into tangible action, just as this church has done for decades upon decades. May our service grow. May our impact grow. May the light you shine through this place become brighter and brighter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future.